Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I'm Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Distinguished Adventurers. Last time on Distinguished Adventurers, after closing the portal and saving the musicians from the concert, our heroes fought a tremendous battle against the far realm horror known as the Lord of Entropy to prevent the world from decaying to dust. You know, small stakes. With the full might of their teamwork and some last second support from their friends, the creature was obliterated. And there was much rejoicing. Actually, the rejoicing is about to happen now. Exhausted but victorious, the Heralds of Greenest have been ushered back to the Golden Rock Tavern for a celebratory dinner and some drinks and to decompress. And that is where we are beginning tonight. Welcome to Distinguished Adventures. My name is Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I just have some low sugar mango juice. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I'm so happy that it is uh, low sugar, but still nice and sweet. I have it in what is a tiny mug, but it is D4 has a Patreon, much the same way we do. And theirs is a little bit bigger and they have merchandise, merchandising. So this is their D4 Patreon mug and it is adorable and I love it. And so that is that is what I have today. Let's go Carlton. What are you drinking? Today I am working on one of those cans that Mrs. Carlton had bought me. And this is New Wave Soda Unsweetened Blueberry. Uh, and it is pleasantly delicious. I am, had a conversation actually with my mother-in-law, Stephen's mommy, about like the like trend towards less sugar in sodas and how nice it yeah. is. Because I mm-hmm. feel like instead of sweet, you taste... Flavor. You can't hide poor flavor behind a ton of sugar in those. Yeah. Like, when we do buy soda, like, obviously, like, my specialty sodas for the so where I go and find a one-off weird one. For house drinking soda, it's, or drinks, it's either regular just filtered water, flavored water, like, hint of Kiss of La Croix, or zero <laughs> sugar sodas. Like, we don't stock any regular sh- uh, sugar sodas in the house anymore. Yeah, the only regular stuff, especially with the soda stream, is we will have some Coke Zero for Luke. And when I drink pop, it is almost like a dessert now. Yeah. And I will get, you know, Coke in the in the glass bottle so that I get the really, really, really nice Coke. And then it's like a really, really nice dessert. Because one of the things when I quit drinking was I noticed I started drinking soda a lot more because my body was craving sugar. And so now... We did Whole30 and all that, and so it's like I'm kind of coming back down from my soda addiction and like, all right, I still have soda, but now it's not as bad for me. Keyword, exactly. as bad. It's, it is a treat instead of a necessity. Yes, but it's mostly uh, flavored waters and filtered water. And there's nothing wrong with that. And moving on to Bernie, what are you drinking? I think that was a wonderful segue because speaking of a soda stream, I have fizzy water. Hey! Fizzy water. We call it tickle water. Uh, tickle water. I forgot <laughs> so, about that. Yeah, I forgot about uh, the tickle for water. I don't remember the story. 4 a.m. Carlton got real loopy and forgot what carbonated water was, and he called it tickle water. <laughs> and they're not wrong. Not wrong. No, um, I'm totally not it's wrong. Spicy water, actually. <laughs> no, that's apparently scientifically the carbonation in carbonated water is um, registered by the receptors in your mouth and tongue as 
spicy. Mm. Interesting. Uh, not like how, but like it's it's literally that spicy water scientifically, and I'm sure that I have messed that up very badly. But, but that's okay. That's what Google yeah. is for. And I have ice cream. And what's more important, this is the, like the food thing I'm really proud of. This morning we made chilaquiles. I'm sorry, you made what? Chilaquiles from scratch. Like we went, there is actually a um, like Mexican grocery store. It's tiny, It's but it's opened up and it just happens to be like in our neighborhood. And luckily they're, they seem to be getting a ton of business. And so we actually could go get like all the different chilies we needed. And so it is, it is a Mexican dish that is obviously become something that is eaten in the United, the Southwest United States. From what I understand, it's Mexican primarily. Somebody correct me if it is from a different country, but I have always noted it as associated with something that is created in Mexico, eaten in Mexico. And it's tortillas that are like, or tortilla chips that are cooked in like either a verde sauce or a roja sauce. And it's like breakfast and they get all like mushy soggy in a really good way. And then you put like a fried egg on top and like kind of just like, like you can crumble cotilla cheese and you can't really can't find cotilla cheese in Canada very easily. But she had it. This wonderful woman had it. Oh. I had all the really cool, wonderful, like very tasty, like Mexican snacks that she had like curated. Probably what she thought like people would be like, oh, this looks interesting. But also like Canadian palates not scared off. And she had a bunch of really great handmade tortillas. So we got like this huge stack of tortillas and we chopped them up and we fried them and then proceeded to make them mushy. But God, they were so good. It was absolutely so much fun. There's a, it's a concept that everybody does a little differently. The right way to make it is like the way you were raised making it. It's so good. Uh, I feel sad that I've been around this planet 34 times and this is the first time I've had to look at it. I'm sad that I've been around this planet 45 times, and this is the first time I've ever even heard of this. And so now I'm going to have to go to the really nice Mexican restaurant that is literally about five seconds away from me and see if they have this. What was it called again? Here we go. Julia's going to try to spell anything. I don't know if you using my phone or not because of the uh, blur. Yeah, that's C-H-I-L-A-Q-U-I-L-E-S. Chilaquiles. That's what I have, and yeah, Google confirms it is a Mexican dish. Looks good. I might try this as well. I've been doing a lot of uh, enchiladas recently, and I've been kind of on a, uh, gosh, I've been making empanadas. I made empanadas as well. A whole different section of Latin America, but still. Well, this is a wonderful transition to Travancore. What are you drinking and or perhaps making for breakfast? <laughs> good people of Faerun. I actually have Soul beer in my fridge. I got it for my wife because the first time we got it, we liked it. It reminded her of like a cleaner, like crisper version of, of like, I guess, Pacifico and Corona or whatever. And she likes those kind of beers. But I didn't, I'm not drinking that. I'm drinking Trogues Sunshine Pilsner. I don't know if you can see the Ooh. bottle or not. How is this going to work? Uh, I need to stop using the blurred background. But Tim would deserve it. You enjoy the blurred background, you know what? Because you drink for 10 seconds at the beginning of the episode, but we get to enjoy the blurred background for the entire show. Hold on, let's talk about your background tonight. Because your picture that you have chosen is so crystal clear that it looks like there is a person that is like looking over your shoulder. (laughs) Like she is ready to, she's like ready to pounce. I like yeah. to think Tim Root is keeping me on my toes to make sure that I'm pointing out biases in AI systems. You know? Who? <laughs> uh, her name is Tim Root Gebru. She, I believe, is Ethiopian. She worked for Google for a while, but she quit in protest because they uh, didn't do a good enough job of detecting their biases in their AI systems. So she was kind of a whistleblower, and they weren't listening to her. So either they left or they fired her. I forget exactly what the story is, but 
champion. I want to say that it wasn't even just that. It is that like within Google, her job in part was this. And it's not yes. like she was like an, an everyday employee who was also noticing this and being like, hey, this is like something Google asked her to do. And she was like, you suck at this. We This is how we do better. And they were like, oh, we just, what I got the sense of, because I, I, it's been a while, but she did an interview right on the uh, Disinformed podcast. And I got the sense that they were kind of like, well, we did hire you to point these things out, but we didn't intend to fix, right? Like, it looks really good when you, as a company, like, Ugh. have somebody there that's like, hey, I'm here to, like, point out the biases. And you can just be like, look, we've got a whole person who does this. And not do the actual work. All of this is to say that typically, and this is a joke that grew out a few weeks ago, that, like, uh, uh, you know, talk about a blurred background, but blurred can also be B-L-E-R-D. So I started showing ex examples of, you know, African Americans or just people of African ancestry who are excelling in their various fields. Um, some of them are fictional, some of them are real, some of them are traditional nerd archetype, other ones are just super smart and super talented. So I thought, you know, this is my way of uh, carrying black history throughout, outside of February, into, across the year. And sharing it in my own small way, so. I love it. Extremely small, since it's just us five that can see it. Yeah, yeah right. Well, but you've now talked about it. You've Maybe I'll put it, it on, on this Patreon thing, where I'll just, like, do a curated thing, where I'll just do a write-up of each person, and, you know, my experience with them, and everything like that. And that could be the Patreon, who knows? I don't know. That would be lovely. Incidentally, the beer's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't, we went right to, because, yeah, I will confirm what Jules said. Not only is this a, a wonderful story about a really cool person, it's a remarkably good picture. So, but yes, tell us about the beer. Yeah, so it's a Pilsner. I'm not normally a Pilsner guy, but, uh, you know, half of everything available in grocery stores is like IPAs. And I'm not really an IPA guy. Like, it just, yeah. it's not a cultural thing. It's just, I don't like the way they taste. It's too hoppy for my, my taste, generally. Me too. That said, look into this three IPAs one day. So it's a Pilsner. It's got a little bit of that hops, but not too much. I think I can take a little bit. Pilsner is about as hoppy as I want to go. And it's good. It's summery. It's brewed 90 minutes away in Hershey. Ooh. So uh, supporting a, a local-ish brand. I mean, Dogfish Head is in Delaware, so they're close as well. Of course, you have Yards. You have um, various local breweries. Yingling, of course, located in Pennsylvania. It's also fun that you get to say that you got something local in Hershey and it wasn't chocolate. That is a fun, unique thing. <laughs> and finally. Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Mitch Muscular, and tonight uh, I was kind of lazy, so I just made myself a, uh, a bottle rocket. It is, in my case, diet soda and a little bit of Fireball. And speaking of that Fireball, tonight, shot of Fireball to be consumed at the first casting of Fireball, or the equivalent spell thereof, is dedicated to friend of the show, Izzy. She recently had a birthday, and we, uh, we all love her, and... Uh, Hey, one of these days we're we're all gonna get back together and have some adventures and play games. So Izzy, this shot of fireball is for you. Happy birthday, bud. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. That would be lovely. For the moment, we cannot get together in person, but uh your four characters can get together at the Golden Rock Tavern. It is about an hour after the fight. You've had a chance to recover a little bit. Bernie did some hardcore healing. I, I believe, if I remember correctly, you dropped a ninth level. Everybody has 700 hit points. Go spell. 700 hit points to share, but I'm pretty sure that covered everyone. It absolutely did. And so exhausted, dirty, drained, but victorious, you are kind of accidentally shepherded to the Golden Rock Tavern by Gestock after 
there's kind of just a lot of chatter and celebration is starting to break out. He kind of notices the you all need to not be in the middle of everybody celebrating at the moment and almost without thinking manages to get you back into your favorite corner place in the Golden Rock Tavern. And there's just food being delivered to your table, food being given to Shadow, because while it's obvious that the four of you need your own little bit of private time to talk, it's also obvious that Gestock's love language is food, and what he needed was to be distracted with food. So you are all getting what you need from each other. And yeah, you have a chance to sit and talk about what just happened. So to rewind just a touch, oh, yeah. as soon as we get into the uh, the tavern, Jonathan the Match Muscular kind of sits down and he's got that like thousand yard stare that we are all of us who have traveled, have kids or just have had had a lot to do just at the end of the day when you're just kind of like staring and he snaps out of it for just a second. It's like, oh, yeah. And he starts the fine familiar ritual. All right. So it's been a while since we've done this. Is anybody going to help? I'll help. How would you like to help Travancore? Um, let me think. I guess the best thing I can think to do is offer moral support. There actually is a spell that Travancore could do to bring back... I'm not sure if it's my just his familiars, or just familiars in general, but it involves a lot of meat and magic casting. But I think because Bux is a celestial and you're familiar, your magic will win the day. But Travancore has some familiarity with it because he has familiars. All of this is to say that Travancore is going to offer uh, moral support and encouragement and be like, you know, just try to be there for his, his friend in any way he can. Bernie's going to make you a cup of tea. Both of you. Well, all of us, I guess. That's how <laughs> Bernie... Bernie's going to, like, sit there very quietly with, like, when it's, like, the same, where all you can focus on is the one thing, and she's, like, getting out four tea strainers, and she's getting out the good shit, and she's just, like... There is a pot of water for her, because Gistock just, like, well, yes, obviously, knows at this point... <laughs> It's not a fancy pot, but it is utilitarian and perfect for your, your exactly. needs. That's how she's going to, she's going to, it's going to have that nice, it's like, you know, the smell, the smell of tea that wafts over things and makes you feel good and, and warm, even if you're like not even drinking it yet. And she's going to say, all the insides that were on the outside are back on the inside now. Ooh, I am tired. Oh, where is the right honorable, the Lord uh, Baron von Kokosnoot? Just chilling under the table, waiting for stuff to drop. Uh, hey, Bernie's got her feet on Kokosnoot and doing that thing where, you know, your dog is like sitting there and either you're laying on the couch with the dog or the dog's under, you're sitting on the couch and they're like right there. And so you just kind of rub your feet like, and it's like you're petting them with your feet and they don't know the difference. No, they're just needy. So Jonathan the Magic Muscular is still doing things, but he leans under the table. And, and I don't know why I'm leaning away from the mic. This isn't video. Uh, <laughs> he leans under the table. Because that's the quality of your role playing right now is it's that good. And he grabs the the feather from Coco Stute's collar that he had given him before we went out to the fight. And it's like, I'm going to borrow this for a second. And he uses that like in his ritual. And uh, 10 minutes goes by. And Carlton, is there anything you're doing during this time while Bucks is attempting to be summoned? I'm going to ask Gestock for a bucket of hot water and all the salt. Not all the salt, but a good amount of salt. So, like, it is salty to taste. 
and have him bring the bucket to the table if you would so please. He gives you a quizzical look, but in this moment, as you are all recovering from saving the world, he does not question anything. And momentarily, a, it's a small pail, but it is a, a bucket full of clean salt water. Appears I take at off my side. boots and I put my feet in. <laughs> ah, okay. He sees what you're doing and realizes both your feet can't fit in the smallish pail he has brought. And moments later, there is a second pail. So then the other book is that one. And I look at Bernie yeah. and I'm like, hey, hey, bud, <laughs> is there any eucalyptus in your, in, in your teas? And Bernie's like looking at the thinking about the cost of eucalyptus and uh the the Or mint or, or mint, lavender. Or lavender. Do you want drinking tea or feet tea? Feet. Feet tea. And Bernie's These dogs are killing me. Yeah, Bernie's gonna like get a few mint leaves and crumble them and but when she does, she's actually just gonna like stick her finger in the water and do a really low level healing spell that's going to focus on like muscle soreness because <laughs> she's just like this actually costs me a lot less than the mint leaves <laughs> <laughs> literal magic <laughs> as you crumble the mint just a little tiny bit uh some of it does end up in the water to give it because mint there's not much you don't need much to get fragrant out of it so a tiny little bit, but yeah, between that and the little bit of healing, Carlton's starting to feel like he can feel his feet again. So it's been a while since we have resummoned Bucks, and people at home might be wondering why I'm asking about helping with a ritual that should be fairly easy, and that is because we have a homebrew rule where you can find familiar all you want, but if you want a very specific familiar back, Jonathan, I need you to roll an intelligence saving throw. Because you are being helped, you do have advantage. And because uh, you're actually being helped by two people, the DC will go down in order to get Bucks back. Hyper advantage. Got it. You, <laughs> it. There's a lot going on to try to get Bucks back. Let's do the intelligent saving throw. Uh, that's a 30. <laughs> Describe how Bucks returns. Yay! So at the, the end is... Uh, the end of the ritual is is an optional part. It's one of those if you've if you program, uh, you can enter a command, but then you can specify like with a switch or with a grep or something. So he basically at the end of the ritual writes with the feather Bucks's name, the whole thing in Draconic script. And so those of you who could read Draconic see in the air. It's sort of like Dr. Strange, sort of like sparkly letters, the name of Buckster and Bertram uh, Bellwether. And it, it sits in the air and then the word sort of starts spinning and wrap around the feather. So the feather like comes out of the hand and the words wrap around him and pop, pygmy owl. And Bucks is there and you get a flurry of, uh, Jonathan, it's a flurry of emotions. Bucks knows how to, communicate with you in words but in this moment returning the last thing bucks remembers is the beginning of the fight back at the amphitheater like an hour or two ago at this point and in the excitement slash panic of returning instead of words all you get is the the excitement and the panic the excitement and the panic what happened i'm glad to see you what happened oh and uh 
Jonathan the Metamuscular could sort of convey these via via his thoughts, but he's gonna he's gonna kind of tell the story, and he's gonna start off with, "Oh yeah, so the Lord of Entropy came, and he put everyone to sleep, including you, buddy." And at this point, he's just holding him because he's a pygmy elf. Uh, yeah, so that's that's when that's when you left. But hey, you know, Bernie uh, called down some awesome fire, and then called down some awesome uh, healing fire. That was great. Oh, I did meteors. That was fun. Carlton went up and uh, slashed the fuck out of that thing, and I think is a time traveler now. And uh, and yeah, Travancore uh, ended up uh, bringing the beast down with some of his uh, lightning arrows. Yeah, it was exciting. And, oh, and all our friends showed up. And Bucks continues to look at you, and it's hard to tell when an owl is wide-eyed, especially yes, a pygmy owl already. who is mostly eyes. <laughs> but it's in a moment, it is as if there are just two eyes sitting in your hands. His eyes have grown that big. And then he just happily fluffs up in your hands. Uh, oh, excuse me for a second. And Jonathan the Muscular is going to again reach under the table and put his hand in between the two buckets and just, just heat his hand up just a little bit, just very gently between the two buckets to convey some heat into, these, mm-hmm. uh, into the, foot, the foot therapy. <laughs> you don't wear boots, do you? Or you wear like leg wraps or something like leathers. Yeah, yeah. that that has no arch support. He he raises no, the, the I'm very flat footed. Oh god! <laughs> so like yeah, a little little more. Just like real life, John. Oh god! Uh, <laughs> this is this is everything. Real life, Lauren wants two buckets of salt water being gently warmed. That sounds amazing. Bucks now now returned and content and having heard the TLDR of what just happened. Snuggles you for a little bit and then goes to fly down on top of uh, Shadow and then Coco Snoot saying hi to them again. And while you can't quite tell everything that they're saying, you don't need to be able to to make it obvious that they are doing what the four of you are doing, happily consoling each other. Wait, Blue is here too, right? I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. Blue is here too. Okay, he stayed? Hold on. He did. (sighs) My, My fellow castmates. Do you want to have an animal conversation right now? So do we do Telbond or do I cast Speak with Animals and offer a train of translation services? I Telbond, so should, it's more... I don't think it should be Telbond. I think they should just have the conversation. We don't know... Yeah. Like, what are they saying? It's an AV conversation that we should see our way out of. It's like the episode in Pokemon back in the day where they're all on the island and we get subtitles and... So he's just going blue, 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 blue. Coco snoot, Coco snoot, Coco snoot. <laughs> and then there's oh, subtitles. Oh, I remember that one. Shadow, yes. shadow, shadow. Meowth was with them because yeah. technically he's a Pokemon. So he yeah. was like, he goes, hey, attack those guys. And uh, the uh, the other two Pokemon were like, nah. <laughs> Pikachu, Pikachu, Squirtle. <laughs> well, then the way we're going to do this is the camera pans down to the four animals as the four of you continue your conversation and the subtitles begin. And I would like the four of you to have your animal companion chat. Now I need to remember Blue's adult voice. Oh, 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 I, I seem to have been gone, but I'm very glad to see Baron Von Kokosnoot and good Sir Shadow. And, oh, it's Blue, oh. Yes, I'm a big boy now. Ooh. He's proud of you. Tell me, uh, tell, tell about this battle. And Blue is going to walk over and sniff Shadows and Coco Snoot's ass. Good to see you again, too. I had bacon for breakfast, can you tell? And Coco Snoot farts. 
I figured Bucks was up in the air and not in Af's sniff sniffing range. Blue is a giant dire wolf. And blue is the size of Shadow. <laughs> not quite. As tall. As tall as Shadow, but not quite as big. Shadow definitely has girth. Mm. Coco Snoot is also a very large dog. They, they are a riding mastiff, but next to Shadow and Blue, it's, it's a bit intimidating. Although it's Coco Snoot. Is Coco Snoot? I don't think Coco Snoot's intimidating. Coco Snoot's not intimidating. Coco Snoot is like... Like the like retired battle mastiff that now Bernie <laughs> just rides, and Coco uh, Snoot is like, tell about battle bear, bear, tell us, give us, give us your battle story. Let us hear about the scars. Let's hear about the times your insides on outside. Were you fire? I tried my best to be a fire bear, and fire came, and I knew that it was either me, the Lord. I need to come up with a funny way of saying entropy because I, I want Shadow to mispronounce it. But I don't know what he should say. He should entropy? pronounce it. He should put the wrong the emphasis on the wrong syllable. He should call it the Lord of the Lord of Entropy. <laughs> entropy, yeah. the Lord of Entropy. We knew it was either going to be me or him. Ah, he's not here, and I am. And I am so glad, Master Bucks, that you were able to go through the revolving door of death, much like Travancore did that one time. Oh yes, it is. It's quite riveting. I was I was back in the. The home office of the of the familiar organization that assigns different familiars. And I was told by a very, uh, my superior, his name is Archibald, and he is also an owl. That's his preferred form. And he said, oh, but you are in so much danger when you go and, and serve this wizard. Why would you want to do it? And he referred to me by my, my number. I have a number. I'm Agent 61. I said, no, no, my name is Buxton Bertrand Bellwether, and I will return to my Jonathan of the magic muscles, because I want to. Something clicks in Shadow's mind. He's going to sniff, and because Bucks is technically a celestial owl and Amelia Airhat was a celestial, I want to see whether Shadow can make the connection in his mind, like that like Amelia and Bucks are kind of in the same, well, not the same, but like, you know, in, this, in the same branch of the, of the kingdoms of life, I guess. So Amelia was an air elemental, I think? Yeah, so Amelia was an elemental. Elemental, and I'm not a celestial. My bad. No, 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 that's okay. Shadow's sense of smell is so good that he immediately can tell, oh, well, it, this is a celestial, and my new, my new air friend was an air person. And I will say, Shadow is picking up a little bit of celestial off of blue. <laughs> that's interesting. Celestial? A little bit, yeah. Not Faye. Oh, definitely Faye, but oh, like... I guess all the time spent with Exion. Like, Blue walked through a room that was filled with the scent of Celestial, and some of it has clung to his fur. Uh, a waft. Mm -hmm. a waft. He's got the LaCroix amount of Celestial. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a candidate for episode title, I feel like. A LaCroix amount. A LaCroix amount. La amount of Celestial. Is there anything else your animals would like to say to each other, or shall, shall the camera pan? Coco Snoot says, you have all been very brave today. Hardest of days, no Bernie. Bernie gone. I uh, took two poop, and I've uh, been, been, been under several table. The light, it shifts. Sometimes it's too hot. Sometimes it's too cold. I think if I were Fire Bear... Temperature always right. But I understand you also have hard day. This entropy sounds like smell bad, taste bad. Taste bad, yes, you bite it. Yes, 
Tastes bad. You have to go to the Grove. It's always soft and always the right temperature. I hear... I... I only have to go in circle once. Well, that is... Mm, only one circle. I mm, only one circle. You know, sometimes you only need one, but uh, I always do three. Just you know, it's just a habit. Not in, the, not in the grove. Yes, grove also has things like hag and. No, that's outside grove. Fae in is grove fae. is great. Is Fay in grove? Grove in Fay. Oh, the snacks are so good. Bernie has bacon, and and Coco's new just like opens his mouth, and Bernie is slipping slipping a piece of bacon under the table. <laughs> oh, and like as the Bernie's slipping it, Blue lets it go to Coco Snoot's mouth, but he is like right up next to it, like, hmm? mm, not work that way. Only oh. I know when I do my circles and I'm alone if it makes a noise, and I'll never tell anyone. <laughs> Young Circle Fire Bear. I am concerned. I think we talk. Wait, is it hot coming out? And at this point, the camera pans <laughs> back up. No answer oh. we can come up with would be as good as that question was. As the uh, the audio fades away from these animal companions and the subtitles stop and we return to the four of our humanoid companions uh, who are in the middle of looking at both Blue and Coco Snoot, who are... One is obviously begging for for bacon, and the other is doing a much better job of being dignified about it. The Distinguished Adventurers are huge fans of Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and more. Every week there's something new happening in the game, and it's available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on June 5th at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. P-U-E-R-D-Y-N-E S-T-A-Y. So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. Gestock comes back over with more tater tots. Once again, not saying a word. Kind of just gauging where everybody is and walks back away. Ah, it was, it was hard to be afraid for that long. Like at some point, it's just do you you just slip into feeling nothing? Not just it's just fear is a is a is a flex that uh, you just can't uh, you can't flex that too long. Yeah, but entropy lost. Entropy doesn't always lose, but this time it did. This time we gave it its marching orders. Yeah, or, we did. order order. This now comes back over with pudding. Oh. None of you ordered pudding, but there's suddenly pudding. He puts it down and for the first time finally speaks up and says, Is there anything you specifically want? Because I'll just keep bringing food. No. Empanadas. If you oh. just keep bringing food, <laughs> is there, is this like uh, um, in my head? Because this is Gestalt pretty much anticipating needs before we know them. Uh, this is uh, Magrum pudding. <laughs> I went to Wake Forest. I hope somebody out there did too and 
went to Wake Forest in the same set of years that the Magnolia Room would just do lunch and uh, started serving to go. And they would make what was definitely mass made chocolate jello pudding, but they would layer it with uh, crushed up Oreos and whipped cream. Oh my God. And they would make like this chunky pudding parfait thing. And I used to get a salad in the to-go container. I should have went to Wake Forest the last time I was in town because I went to Duke instead to get closure on a rejection from 19 years before. Oh, dang. I did get my closure. You got emotional pudding. You can't eat at the mag room <laughs> without pudding. a student ID and a meal plan. So you really, you're not missing out. But um, it was so good. It is that pudding. Meal plan. Jack needs closure. Meal plan. <laughs> Jack needs closure. <laughs> It's somewhere Lisa needs braces. Aw. <laughs> Gustav puts this pudding down. It is exactly that, is the Faerun version of this pudding. And Bernie, especially with your insight, you can tell some of this is him trying to anticipate needs. But as you look around the table and you look at the way he has been bringing food, he's already anticipated all of your needs. Like the pudding was kind of the last thing. Everything else is extraneous. And is, like I said, his way of showing that he cares and also distracting. Like a lot of the food that he's bringing on over takes a lot more preparation and a lot more work. And none of you need it or ordered it, but it's kept him distracted. So he is self-medicating with cooking. Bernie's going to slice. She's going to look at Travancore and she's going to say, you're eating the empanadas, right? So I'll just eat this. This'll be my- I'll just eat this. Travacor slides the bowl over to Bernie and gives a wry grin. I mean, I can bring another. I can make another. Do you want another? No, I want empanadas. Preferably something spicy and then please and thank you. Don't mean to be rude. No, there's no rudeness after saving the world. And Gestock very gently picks up a plate that was in the middle of the table that you hadn't noticed and puts it in front of you. And that's the empanadas that he had brought. But he does that in the way of trying not to be uh, annoying about it. Like, oh, yeah, here's your empanadas. Here you go. As soon as uh, Gazdok has had an earshot, I'll say he was nice to say that, but there is such a thing as rudeness. But I don't know. Processing trauma. I think we all are. The whole town might be. Or the whole city, I should say. Yeah. <sighs> it's, uh, it's, 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 it's been a day. Yeah. It's been a couple of weeks. It's been a couple of weeks. It's the best way to put it. I weigh 42 pounds. Do you think if I eat 42 pounds of pudding and then I weigh myself, I'll weigh 84 pounds? No, it's magic pudding. It doesn't add anything to your weight. I don't know. The math checks out. Jonathan the Magic Muscular has just, yep, the math checks out. Do you think I could eat 42 pounds of pudding? I've learned a long time ago not to underestimate you. So I don't put anything past you. Bernie's going to say, okay, let's do this. And she's just going to start eating. Jonathan the Magic Muscular was going to mage hand uh, your pudding spoon gently into Bernie's hands and say, let's do this. Bernie, mm. you know who might like some pudding? Sir Alistair Duke. Do you think that the Mojons can eat? No, but I miss them. I know. Do you think if I put pudding on Alistair Duke's eyeball, he'd be mad? Probably. Do you think he might absorb in? Like that's how he eats is like osmosis? Do you think your cucumbers have taken over Rachel's house? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the cucumbers, but definitely the, the zucchini. zucchini I keep forgetting <laughs> which one. It's it's. We I, I yeah. haven't checked on the garden in a while. It might it yeah. might be a forest. 
You know, Carlton, it's uh, yeah. it's actually good that you bring that up. Jonathan the Magimuscular has been doing some thinking. I think I'm going to leave the plane. Like, mm. Jonathan the Magimuscular has been thinking about this for a little while, ever since we got back from uh, the plane of water. There's so many other planes out there. And Jonathan the Magimuscular kind of wants to see a few. And you bring that up. I wonder how long it's been since the Modrons have been home to hmm? to Mechanus. Is that where they're from? I thought they were from Rachel. Modrons come from the plane of Mechanus, which is imagine a gear okay. that's the size of the Sword Coast. That's a big and gear. People live on these gears, and the entire. How would you live on a gear? Ah, uh, you just do. How do we live on a big, uh, spinny rock? Because they're wait. Does the gear have? Like foliage and like animals and stuff like that. No. They have an ozone layer. Yeah, like how how do people eat and breathe? So there is an atmosphere. How do they poop? If you remember, a Modrons. I don't remember if they do, but there are other sapients there. The gift that we ran into not long ago. Some of them come from Mechanus. Wait, you want to look? I love the Modrons. Wonderful, wonderful people. But the gift. We're dicks. Yeah. That's fine. I'm not asking anyone else to go with me. If you want to, that's no, fine. No, I'm just asking why you want to go to the to the dick gear. Because, no, I don't necessarily want to go to the dick gear. I want to go to, I mean, Mechanus is a big place. I mean, you remember the Listen, plane of water. I'm not going to judge you to each of their own. If you want to go to dick gear, you can go to dick gear. That's your life, your choice. So, Jonathan the Magimus is going to move on. I But I figure next time we go to the house, we can ask the Modrons, and now that Several of us, Bernie, I think, has this ability as well. We can see if they want to visit home. I mean, I think they they could leave the the pocket house if they wanted to. They they choose to be there, but we can ask if they want to see home since we now have the. I thought, uh, they, were I thought they were too. I also thought we had to ask Rachel because I was gonna like refree them. I was gonna like say you're on, you're free to go. I I get rid of your binding. That's how it works, right? You haven't thought about this in a while, but you do remember they are free creatures. They they could leave. Absolutely. The tie they have to the pocket dimension is that if they leave and nobody is there, eventually this this pocket dimension will break down. And so that's why they Rachel told you they're the ones that own the house. They're the keepers. You are kind of the guests because the the Modrons need regular maintenance and regular checking up on. But yeah, you all know that if if the three Modrons wanted to leave, they absolutely could and they'd be fine. But if no one was in the house on a regular basis, the pocket dimension would collapse in on itself because it would have no sentient beings to keep it there. What about shifts? What if you take two at a time, leave one? And then one goes back, and the other one who's left behind goes. And then we come up with some sort of system that way, so at least there's one Modron in the house at all times. Yeah, and they might all not want to go home. It could be that one of them maybe doesn't want to, or maybe none of them want to. It's it's just something that I figure, it's not an immediate thing. Jonathan the Magimuscular is a little cash for right now, and he has to dig up the a key for... Uh, mechanist right now the only key that i have and he gets a, a nice looking keychain that only has one key on it 
Are you going to be like a janitor with like a bunch of keys? I really, really love the yeah. idea of Jonathan Magic Muscular as a retired janitor. And you can get those cool janitor coveralls. And then because you're the because you're you, you'll rip the sleeves off of them. And you'll have like a broom that's magical. Oh, no, no, a mop. One of those those mops. You know, I'm talking about the kind of mops that like, it's not clean. Why are you using it? But obviously it's because the school system does not have the funding. I'm here for Jonathan the Magic Mopular. So there was a there was a word that Penelope used when we were hanging out because she can do this too. She called herself a planeswalker, and I liked that idea. So I think I think I'd like to be a planeswalker too, and not just the ability to go see other planes, actually go to more than just a couple of planes. I probably may ask one or more of you to come with me if I want to jaunt to Avernus or maybe the City of Brass, but uh, well, that's a, oh, that's a later thing. If you thing. do go to Avernus, can you bring me back some abyssal chickens? I have an idea for a recipe. You got it, bud. Yeah. Thanks. Who currently has basically all of your random possessions? Are they mostly in the bag of holding that Carlton has? They're mostly, mostly in the bag in of, the holding. Bag of yes, holding that I have. Okay. Jonathan, give me a history check. All right. Do we have an abyssal chicken in the bag of holding? I feel like I would remember that. You would remember that as far as I know, you do not. I feel like even if we did, that poor chicken would have like sucked death by now. No, we. I tried to capture one and then we quickly got overrun by the stampede. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. There, I'm gonna there were die. more than a couple. Yeah, Bernie was there, not there, there were hundreds. Regulates to talk sense into Carlton. Yeah, that's, that's a nice <laughs> way of putting it. Listen, Jonathan the Metromuscular normally going to a different plane and hunting creatures to bring back for a delicacy for for a friend that might be a little uh, alignment not quite aligned but jonathan the magic muscular knows as well as carlton knows these creatures are assholes and i think they're invasive yes so, like you'd be doing good for the local ecosystem in the plane of water, I remember. Um, I remember. I was told that if we, if on the beach, if we were wading in, we saw any any of these uh, things called lionfish, uh, just kill them because the, they they're an invasive species too. They slip through a portal, and they they were not native to the plane of water. So yeah, we'll have to come up with a way to uh, to capture them. The history check is a twenty six. Awesome. As you're having this discussion about being a planeswalker, going to Mechanist, doing all of these outstanding things, and then you say, but I'm a little cash poor, and also I need the, the keys to get there, because you need the, the tuning forks to those planes. And you know that the Watchful Order would help with a lot of things, uh, especially after saving the universe. Especially after May, stay, hold on, not the, let's just say, let's put it this way, we didn't just save the universe, we saved their asses. I believe we mm -hmm. were officially their cover your ass policy after um, a certain someone almost drug their entire reputation into the shithouse by unleashing the Lord of Entropy. Jonathan is the one, you know, I know how you're going to make your money. It's going to be by doing ads for the Watchful Order, paid <laughs> advertising Radio ads. to convince people to trust them again. Hellbond ads. <laughs> You do know, I mean, whether you want to do ads or not is totally up to you. I could totally see Magi Mus Jonathan the Magi Muscular on big billboards showing off muscles saying the Watchful Order wants you. So you're, you're thinking about this and you know that they have several keys to several different planes, but they are 
hard to get and they don't have keys to everything. But something tickles in the back of your mind. Something reminds you of something that you haven't even thought about in months. You remember getting a deed months ago? Several months ago. And you kind of looked over it at the time, but it's been long enough that even your keen mind has forgotten everything that it says. But yeah, you, you seem to remember this notarized deed that you got way, way back while you were still in Greenest. Jonathan, the Magic Muscular, like, he has that, that moment of revelation where he kind of like pats the table and okay, bam, Jonathan, the Magic Muscular is cash poor. Jonathan, the Magic Muscular has an idea. Are you going to do billboards to reinstate public trust in the watchful order for a severe, severe upcharge? Because I support that. I think no, no, should, no, no, no. For us, for us, you should make them mortgage the Amethyst Acropolis, Winter God's Tower. Oh, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Who knows what's there? Like, I, I need things. Everyone here need needs needs cash. Jonathan, as you say, who knows what's there? Something about what was on that deed. You've got that deed with you. All right. Hey, Carlton, could you grab the deed to Winter God's Tower real quick? Yeah. Uh, I'll reach in and, like, even though I know it, like, I'll, it immediately summons, I'm going to pretend like it's taken me a minute because it's been in there for a while. And then <laughs> I pull up the deed. And if we find nothing there, we could at least we could sell the deed. We could sell yeah. the land. That would actually, that would probably solve a lot of our cash flow problems. I mean. So let's go loot it, then sell it. Eh? <laughs> So what Carlton pulls out is this crystalline scroll tube that literally you haven't seen in maybe a year. And uh, as you crack it open and pull it out, you all remember like scanning over this deed really, really quickly. But there was a lot of things going on after you defeated the demi-lich of Wendergod's form. And scanning over it now, it's more than a deed to this tower. Jonathan... This is a key to this tower. This is how you get on in. Without this, you couldn't even enter the place. You can feel the magical aura around it. The listing of the holdings are vague, but include things like several caches of important magical items, at least five treasure troves from dragons, and one apple pie. Dibs. All yours, buddy. Jinx. Travancore quietly sighs he couldn't get the apple pie. Wait a minute. I can't I can't just jinx a, another capitalist spellcaster. I feel like th- if that happens, it turns into a uh wizards who shall not be named esque uh like light one battle <laughs> if you try and jinx someone. I'm trying to think how much we haven't had a long rest, so I'm like Bernie says We'll resolve this later, but I don't think either of us have a spell slot left. I have one. And uh, now that Bucks is back, we, yes, we will talk about Wendergott's Tower uh, later. But for now, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to go back to the animals and say, hey, so since Bucks is back, y'all want to go fly with him for about 10 minutes? Blue's butt starts wiggling aggressively. I thought we really were going to just talk. I thought we were resolving the jinx later. I was thought we were still on Wintergrad's town. Oh, well, you mentioned spell slots. I was like, oh, yeah, I still have a spell sl- a couple, a couple of third levels. Are you sending the animals to go scout out Winter God's Tower? No, no, trying? I was literally just going to have them fly with Bucks. Come fly oh, with Bucks, okay. you'll fly, you'll fly away. 
Bear Force One. Would would all of your animal companions like to go for a flight? Yes. Uh, Blue's butt starts wiggling aggressively. How about Shadow and Coco Snoot? I think Shadow starts humming a tune to himself that sounds suspiciously like Highway to the Danger Zone. And Coco Snoot? Coco Snoot um, sighs like the babysitter. Bernie just says, you know, if you want to go, you can go. I'm not a fan of it, but you might be. And I think what happens is camera pans back outside as the door opens as Jonathan, I'm assuming, is casting fly on your these the three of them as the fourth has wings. As you use what, what's left of your energy to impart the ability to fly back onto these three creatures and bear force one rises again to soar up into the sky like an honor guard. And you could swear you hear giggles coming from all of them at some point, but you're unsure. And that's where we're going to pause for tonight. And the next time we get together, one last job is going to (laughs) happen. And normally at this point, I would rattle off a whole bunch of awesome things that you did and give you experience. And I'm still going to do that. Y'all level 20. And there's nowhere to go from here except godhood. So I will say, for the return of bucks, for buckets of salt water for your feet, for the lord of entropy, for Jonathan now summoning into existence the world that familiars come from is basically a job board run by a temp agency. And it's hard to be afraid for that long. Probably made your step your first step on the way to demigodhood. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, then visit us at distinguishedadventurers.com. There you can find links to our podcast and social media, pictures and bios of our cast, info on our Patreon, and much more. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our Patreon patrons and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you, Forrest from Stabby Quest, Jesse Florence, Nate Zakari, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.